Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Thursday, July the 12th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And, uh, you know, as I was uh, getting ready to get on the online here with you, Wendy, and do the show, I was thinking about how important it is, of course, to appreciate the good stuff that's in life. And I was actually going back to the very, very basics because, you know, if you go back to the very basics, there's so much to be appreciative of. I mean, we're alive. We're breathing. We have food. We have shelter. You know, right now I'm sitting in uh, New England where currently we're experiencing a high pressure system, you know, lots of sunny skies, but very, very warm outside. And I'm sitting inside in a nice, cool environment. I mean, how good is this? Oh, that you know, that's my favorite because we of all course. know I love the cold. <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah, I had this cold Arctic blast of events <laughs> blowing on me as we speak. So, oh yeah, I, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> so Wendy Nanook of the North has joined us today, and yeah. we're going to talk about the joys of attracting a cool environment into our lives. <laughs> yep, that's the truth. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I was thinking about it earlier that. We're talk- we've been talking about segment intending for the last week, week, two weeks, something like that. And you know, mm-hmm. a key element of that, obviously, is that throughout your day, you're 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 doing your segment intending, but you're also supposed to get yourself in alignment, you know, before you do it, so you can get the best result out of it. And it occurred to me that, well, if you're trying to get into alignment, first of all, you got to make sure you take kind of like your your emotional pulse, so to speak, to see where you're at. Mm-hmm. And if you're not quite where you want to be, well, you got to do stuff to get yourself there. So how can you do it quickly? That's what made me think about, well, there's so many really basic things to, to feel appreciation for, to feel good about, to feel gratitude for. So why not start there? And so I figured, well, let's start the podcast there, too. How about that? Well, don't you and Louise have a nightly ritual where you talk about things that you're grateful for? We do. Yeah. Three good things, we call it. And literally, we go through our days, each one of us, and try to pick out at least three things that happened that day that were good. You know, they can be big, they can be small, they can be somewhere in between. Doesn't matter. What matters is finding, you know, something that really had a good side to it, something that we liked, and then just spending more time on it, thinking about it, talking about it, visualizing it, imagining it, remembering it. Um, for the purpose of like bringing the vibration of it alive again, so that we're putting out the same message that we put out earlier in the day. We enjoyed it then, and we're enjoying it now. Since you've been doing it for so long, do you ever uh, feel like you're in a rut and you kind of go, yeah, this happened, that happened, and that happened? Or do you always bring a fresh uh, feeling and, and emotion into it? Oh, I can't lie. There are days where I'm reaching. I mean, some days, two of my <laughs> two of my three are the morning podcast and the afternoon podcast because they're safe. I can count on those every single day. <laughs> so you cheat by putting an auto program in there. <laughs> but, I, but I also, I don't just cheat. I also actually take the time to remember what happened in those podcasts. What were we talking mm-hmm. about? What, was the, what were the highlights? So I still make myself go through the, the living in my mind experience. Because that's really the most important part anyway, right? You, yeah. know, you, want, you want to feel like you're in that particular place so that you're energizing it. Now, you're right. If I just did it on autopilot and said, well, there was the morning podcast and the afternoon podcast and left it up there, that would be a throwaway. That would be useless. There's no point to that. you gotta, you got to relive it again. And, you know, years ago, uh, Oprah made very famous doing a gratitude journal. Right. And um, I've attempted that. For like all of a second and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you were really I'm dedicated joking. to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, I've just I've done a lot of journaling in my life, but I journal best when it's it comes to me like an impulse. It comes mm. to me like a nudge, like, hey, go journal this. Right. Um, I know Tony Robbins, he's a mega journaler. Mm. He has like every journal he's ever written probably since he was a teenager. Wow. Um, and I know a lot of uh, major players in the high performance world do the same. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you, that just never worked for me. And for a while I made myself wrong, you know, like, oh, what's wrong with you that you can't do it, that, oh, you know, you yeah. want to be successful and all these successful people do it. And I finally let myself off the hook and went, that's just not my thing. It's not that I'm not grateful and it's not that I'm not appreciative. That just isn't a way that for me is like my best and favorite way to do it. And maybe it's because I'm so verbal that unless I have to write, unless I feel the impulse to write, that's just not my favorite way of expressing myself. So what is your way? Yeah. I mean, like it, it, we're talking segment intending this week and last week and for a while now. Um, right. And segment intending, you got to get into the high vibration place before you do your intending. So what do you do? What's your method? How do you get there? Or maybe you just I, never leave it. Maybe you're always living there. I mean, you're always pretty up, well, so that's quite possible. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I have to like be mindful and go, okay, Wendy, you're not in the greatest place. How do we shift? And I would say for me, the absolute number one always works is if I purposely say, stop, slow down, breathe. Hmm. And now I may not say those words, but that is what I do. I have a a definite intention of I'm going to stop, like whatever I'm doing, it's like stop the merry-go-round kind of thing. Just stop whatever I'm doing, slow my pace, and just breathe. And after a breath or two or three, sometimes five, when I start to feel like I'm really settled into my body and very grounded, and I can tell that my mind has stopped racing, then I kind of take another pulse check to see where I'm at. And it's like, oh, that feels really good. I feel grounded. I feel present. I feel like I'm I'm really paying attention to this moment that's when I can start to do my segment intending or any kind of intention um, or even asking my inner being questions because I know I'm in a better place to receive the answers. This this shows just how amazing this whole process is because, and how different we all are as individuals. I never would have thought of doing that. I mean, no, it's just, just not my way of doing it. It's a great approach. I love it. I mean, it's a good idea. It's just, I never would have thought of doing it that way. Just taking a breath. So what's your approach? What's your approach? Oh, it varies. It depends on where I am in the day. Some days I'm actually reaching. Some days like, ah, I'm gasping for air. Help, help. <laughs> but, <laughs> but on the days where I'm actually able to grasp for it and get there, um, sometimes I'll, I'll just do what's the latest thing that's going good in my life. You know, it's kind of a mini version of the three good things that Louise and I do in the evening. Just what's the latest thing that's going well? Um, sometimes I challenge myself. Like, if I know I'm, I'm facing something difficult, I, I won't try to, to make myself like it. But what I will do is I will challenge myself to see, can I find where there could be a silver lining to what's about to happen? And if I can find that silver lining, then I kind of dwell for that, dwell on that for a while. And, and if I'm really feeling good about it, I'll try to get excited about stupid things, <laughs> about the, the, the most mind-numbingly dumb, well, okay, well, well, that part is good, sure, but you're really jumping up and down about that? Yeah, if I actually find that it's good, I'll jump up and down. I'll, I'll get excited, you know? I'll say, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be such a turnaround. 
And literally, that's the way I think about it. Because if I'm facing something I don't like, right? I, I'm facing some task or some event or talking to somebody and I, and I just cringe at the idea of it, then finding a silver lining actually is a reason to celebrate. Because now I don't have to go through the cringing part anymore. It's a big shift. So, uh, yeah, I can actually get excited about that. That's one of my favorite ways to do it. Huh. And you're right. It shocked me that you've never thought to do what I did. No. I just sort of <laughs> made this silly assumption that my way is what most people just do naturally. Isn't that funny? I think we all kind of do that. I mean, I, I can just see what uh, people listening to the podcast here, to what I was just saying and saying to themselves, I could never do that. That would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow jumping up and down. That that one wouldn't work for me. <laughs> no, no, and it doesn't always work for me either. I, it varies. Yeah. I I literally do vary it. I shift it around to whatever feels good at that moment. I, I have enough modalities I've tried out that I just kind of like run through the litany of them and see which one fits best at this particular moment, and then I go for that one. I mean, I, I've about cool. I, the only one that I don't do, and you you mentioned it, is journaling. I, I've never done journaling well. I even tried lately, like a, a week ago. I said, okay, I'm going to start doing journaling today. I'm going to do. Journal entry number one. I did journal entry number one, and I'll do journal entry number two. And you know what? Journal entry number one is still sitting there all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the cool things, when you go on an Abraham Hicks cruise, um, Esther is such a generous soul. She loves to give gifts. And so I want to say the cruise was like six nights, seven days. And, you know, the first two days, you know, you're just getting on board and whatnot. So it's not until like day two that you're really into the workshop part. But every single day when we'd come back to our rooms after we had been to one of the workshops, there would be some little present left for us on the bed. Oh, wow. And like one of the days I remember there was a wonderful, beautiful journal. And another day there was a beautiful pen. I mean, not just your average promotional pen with Abraham Hicks on it. I mean, a beautiful, nice pen. Mm. And so I thought to myself, okay, I have this journal. I think I should use it, Yeah, you know, to kind of commemorate this. And so maybe I'll start it when I get home and I'll start writing things that occurred to me, you know, that law of attraction is bringing to me. And I think I wrote in it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then another time a friend gave me a beautiful journal. I mean, like suede. I mean, gorgeous journal. And I'm like, oh, I really need to use this. And I wrote in it about once or twice. You're right, yeah. And for me, and I'm sure people who are mega journal writers are just laughing at the concept because they're like, why aren't you using these journals? But for me, I'm like, they, the books are so beautiful it feels like I should have sacred writing in them, <laughs> not just my chicken scratch, you know, because I can barely even read it when I rewrite it or when I go back to read it. It's like my, my chicken scratch has become very illegible since I'm at the computer all the time. But interestingly, when I feel the nudge to actually do some journaling and just write through some ideas that are going on, I like to write on a legal pad. Ah. That's just always been my thing. And I could write pages and pages and pages. And maybe next time I need to journal, I'll just go to the next blank page. But I actually have a file folder, a tangible file folder. No, not digital. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just called journaling. 
And I just, whenever I have, you know, I've journaled something because it was something I wanted to get out, I'd staple it and I'd stick it in, I'd date it, and I'd stick it in my folder. And if ever I need to, like, go back and find something in an archive, like, you know, I wrote about that once and I want to remember what the particular pieces and parts were, I could go find them. But you know what? Normally I don't. It's like the purpose of journaling for me is just to get my thoughts out and when I don't have somebody to verbally discuss something with, I'm discussing it, me and my inner being, as I write. Yeah, sure. Well, and I that's, smiled. That's how journaling works for me. I, I smiled when you described writing in the really, really nice suede cover journal, and you wrote <laughs> one time. And the reason I smiled is because I'm even worse than that. If I tried uh -oh. to write in a journal, first of all, I would like to match my scrawl against your scrawl because I bet you mine's more illegible than yours. <laughs> <laughs> And second of all, mine is so bad, I'll start writing it, and it, it's illegible, and plus what I wrote didn't make sense, so I scratch that out, and I start writing again, and that doesn't work, so I scratch that out. You know, pretty soon you get a page full of all these scratch-outs and these little bits of lines in between them, and I said, what am I doing here? What's the point of this? Uh, <laughs> but I always envy people who have journals, like, you know, my friend Keisha, she always has a journal next to her, even when we go out to a restaurant. She takes it with her, and on occasion, I'll notice that we'll be talking, and she'll take it out, and she'll start writing something. I don't know what she's putting in there, but she always have a, has a journal by her side. Wow. And I'm like, do, do, do people who journal go back and reread them? Are they like notes? I don't know what you do with them. Well, you wait until but, you're dead, and, and then because you're famous, somebody publishes them. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Tony Robbins talks about how he goes back through his journals and he finds all sorts of gems in there. And I'm going, really? Because to me, if it's old, it's old. It's past. It's, you know, it's like I want to stay with the fresh and the new. <laughs> I kind of like the journal. I mean, the way it actually got used in the story was not so nice. So I don't really want to go that direction. But in the Harry Potter series, in the second book, The Chamber of Secrets, um, Harry discovers a book that it turns out Ginny Weasley had thrown it away. And it was a book that was left behind by Tom Riddle, who is ultimately Lord Voldemort, the, the evil character of the whole series. But you write into this book and the writing disappears. And I'm thinking, what a cool idea. I can write into it. The writing disappears and I never have to deal with it again. <laughs> Was it disappearing ink? <laughs> it was a disappearing page. Well, the the way the story went, you write into the journal, uh, you, 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 like you ask a question in the journal, and the ink disappears, and then the journal comes back with an answer of its own written in the same hand. So you can actually have a conversation like through it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the good news. The bad news is that you were having a conversation with Lord Voldemort or a piece of his oh, soul. Okay. Yeah. So, so it really wasn't all that great. But nevertheless, it was a clever concept. I like the concept. I just couldn't figure out a way to make a journal like that, you know. Oh, boy, we really took this one for a tangent. I don't even remember where we started. Well, I, I think we're kind of tying into uh, what the uh, topic is from the book today, because we're, okay. we're still in the, the segment intending section, part five of the Law of Attraction, the Basics of the Teachings of Abraham. And, and the subtopic we're up to is, for segment intending, carry a small notebook. So, I mean, we're right in line with it. <laughs> I need to call Keisha and let her know, hey, she can do segment attending really easily because she already has a small notebook. She has notebook. a small notebook. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so for those oh, people funny. who are actual journalers or, or not totally turned off or even willing to write more than a sentence, we'll read this particular part of the book. <laughs> Just for you. Just for you guys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
So it says, right, of course, <laughs> your segments will not be just as we have offered, and they will not be the same from day to day. That is really true. In only a few days, you will find it very easy to identify each new segment and to identify what you most want from it until very soon you will be able to clearly expect good results from every segment of your day. Some of you may find it more efficient and effective to carry a small notebook and to physically stop to identify the segment while you write a list of your intentions in your notebook. Since writing something down onto paper is your strongest point of focus, in the beginning of your application of this segment intending process, you may find your notebook to be of great value. You have gathered some questions for us upon this topic of segment intending. This is the beginning of the next conversation with Jerry, so that's what they're saying there. But, um, well, I'm glad okay. to hear that there are some people who will find that of value. I just don't happen to be one of them. <laughs> Me neither. But, boy, those who really love their journaling, you know, and their little oh, small yeah. notebook, I mean, that they, they really get a lot of value out of it. Well, plus, I have to admit, I have yeah. journaling envy. And by that, I mean, I see, I have seen people <laughs> writing in their journals, and they have the cleanest, crispest, most beautiful handwriting I mean, it would take me years to learn to write as cleanly and clearly as they do. And I say, well, geez, I'm already behind the curve anyway. They have this beautiful handwriting, this writing, writing out this beautiful stuff. It, it doesn't even have to make sense. It just looks good on the page. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it makes me think of both television shows, movies, and real-life situations where, you know, someone has passed away and now their family is going through their stuff. You know, and they, they stumble upon these journals or these writings. And, you know, rarely, especially if it's in a movie, do you look at it and it's chicken scratch. It's normally this beautiful handwritten something like somebody has just printed love letters, you know, <laughs> like from World War Two. And I'm like, I think that's probably what I had in my head when I probably received my first journal and went, oh, it has to be perfect. Mm. And I already have enough issues with perfection, so I really didn't need to add to it. Right, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yep. But, you know, I'll bet you Oprah has journal upon journal upon journal. She writes every single night. I mean, that's what she's always said, and she's always writing in her gratitude journal before she goes to bed. It's a good practice. You know, I mean, it's a great way. Yeah. If, you, if you can adopt it, if, if you can actually make it a part of your life, it is powerful. There is no doubt. Some very, very successful people have used that, as you've illustrated. You've, you've named a few of them here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I will say that every now and then I get gratitude envy of other people, <laughs> like you, who talk about how you and your wife, you know, share three things that you're appreciative for throughout your day. Um, I think that's a lovely practice. I mean, mm. truly, that's a lovely practice. I don't personally have it, but like I said, it's not that I'm not grateful or that I don't have appreciation. I just don't express it in a practice like that. Mm, right. Well, yeah. that's just it. I think there are so many practices. There are so many modalities, so many things that you can do to improve your focus, improve your ability to focus on what you want, keep it off what you don't want, all that kind of thing. It almost doesn't matter which one or which ones you use. What matters, I think, is oh, trying some of them and finding which one works for you or which ones work for you. I mean, if you can find one, that for me was the biggest thing early on, just finding anything that would work, anything that I could just well, do for more than five seconds at a time. <laughs> well, you know, after while we were in the show yesterday and we were talking, of course, still about segment intending, I was really getting some incredible like, aha, like, ooh, inspiration. I can do this. 
Um, and I will tell you, I haven't done what I thought I was going to do, but I can tell I have new awareness. And to me, that is, that's worth everything. I love awareness. So one of the things I talked about was, you know, I go up and down my stairs a gazillion times a day and how I want to be more deliberate about appreciating, you know, me going up and down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And today I noticed when I got to the top of the stairs, I focused on like my upper thighs, how strong they are and mm. how they beautifully carry me up and down the stairs every day without fail. And so it's, I didn't segment intend. It was more like after the fact is when there was just this uh, focus on, wow, my legs are so fabulous. They take me up and down these stairs all the time. So even though that's not uh, the literal practice of segment intending, like you just said, it doesn't really matter how you do it. The fact that it gets done or the fact that you receive a benefit is really what it's about. Oh, right. I mean, like, I think you were making the point yesterday, just because we're trying to uh, focus on, you know, achieving some vibration or, or, you know, attracting some particular thing now, doesn't mean that's the end of it. It isn't like, okay, we're done. The thing didn't or didn't show up. And that's the end of the whole conversation. It creates a, a rever- reverberation, rever- reverberation, reverberation. That's the word mm-hmm. they, they keep it, and it can gather momentum over time, the more that we focus on it. So, you can not only be segment intending today, but indirectly you could be segmenting intending for next Thursday. I mean- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I guarantee you, now that I came to, because well, I had the experience where I came to the top of my stairs, I focused on how strong my legs are. And now I'm talking about it here on the podcast. There's no way I'm going to go up and down the stairs the next time without having that ping in my, in my focus. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to think about it again. And the more I think about it, I can kind of already spiral this forward. The more I think about it, the more I can tell it will expand from look how strong my legs are to the the next thing that I notice. You know, it could be my core. It could be my arms. I mean, whatever it is, it could be my neck. My gosh, look at this. My neck never falls over. You know, (laughs) it's like it stays straight up all the time. Say, how about that? Absolutely amazing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) It, It is. But, you know, the more we focus on any one thing, the more it gathers not only momentum on that one thing, but it'll start to expand. It'll start to broaden out, and then you add more things and more things and more things. And, you know, I don't know if Abraham's going to say that in this chapter, but that's kind of what I've noticed. Oh, I think it's true. Nothing. Yeah, nothing static. Everything expands yeah. in some way, shape, or form. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. In fact, yesterday, you, you're talking about stairs. We talked, I think it was yesterday, we also talked about stairs then. And about, you know, I, like with me and progress I've been making with my knee and so forth. Today, I had to go into the office twice. We, we have an office on the second floor of what was at one point a house. It's now an office building, but it's a very small office building. And uh, we climb stairs that have a, a landing halfway up, you know, so you go up one set and then you go up another set. And today, mm-hmm. as I'm going down the stairs, I had the same thought as yesterday. Remember I said I, I felt like running down the stairs? And I, I still had the yeah. same feeling. Well, I didn't run down the stairs, but when I got to the landing, I did a little skip. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> like, okay, I'm excited. Let's go. And I didn't run down the stairs. I was still using the, the railings and you know taking care of going down. But I went down pretty quickly. Well, that to me is an example of how yesterday's intention led me to build the intention even more today. That's 
that's what we're talking about. That's it. That's pretty cool. That's what we're saying. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Well, and I know I had told you about um, starting to have more conversations with my coaching friend, Rhonda. Right, yeah. And I always say coaching friend because she is a coach, but she's my friend. And we coach each other because it's fun. Sure. And so yeah. even our coaching calls or our friendship calls are gaining speed and gaining momentum and starting to expand. And she called, uh, she wanted to talk last night because she had something that was going on. And so we started to explore, you know, what was happening in her world. And before you knew it, we had spun our conversation where we were tying in things from our two previous conversations. And then we were seeing the future and we were getting new epiphanies. And like the one that popped for me, I'll just throw it out here because it was fun. is abundance is the law of the land. She's like, oh, my gosh, abundance is the law of the land. I said, I know. And we must have said that phrase, I don't know how many times. Because we're just, not that we're, like, working on it, but I said to her, and this is very off topic, but I'm going to throw it out here because it's fun and it's something that is meaningful to me. I said, you know what? I am tired of hearing so many people, especially in the metaphysical world and in the coaching environment, et cetera, putting out programs about money and about wealth and about how you can change your money picture and about how you can change <laughs> your energy around money. And I said, here's why it's driving me crazy. Because what we're really talking about and focusing on is lack. I said, I've been so aware of this for such a good long while that now every time I see another program coming from another one of my favorite gurus, I'm like, no, not again. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's stop gathering people so we can all talk about our lackful stories. And I said, I just want to focus on abundance. And what came out of me is because abundance is the law of the land. Oh, and I, okay. I totally believe that came directly from my inner guidance. Abundance is the law of the land. And I said, from here on in, I am no longer going to give any more attention to lack of money in my life. I'm done with it. And I'm not going to focus on it in anybody else's life because I'm only going to focus on abundance because it's the law of the land. And I'm like, wow, that feels good. <laughs> and that idea got spun through momentum and expansion from all our, all the conversations we've been having. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a law of attraction principle that when you stay focused in a, on a particular subject, it grows and magnifies and expands. It gets bigger and broader and it's exciting. I mean, I could barely sleep last night. I mean, my heart was like racing, not like um, a bad kind of thing, but like I was so excited Wow. I, the zest for life was just so huge. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you, did you ever see the movie uh, Beverly Hills Cop? With oh, Eddie yeah. Murphy? Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. But, yeah, so this, the, one of the first songs in there, when they're doing the first he heist in a, the, these giant semi-trucks, is The Heat Is On. Right. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. The Heat Is On. Yep. I had that song playing in my head like all night long. <laughs> Because when Rhonda and I were talking, um, I got a new idea for my, my new business, and I just said, the race is on. It's on. Like, <laughs> I'm so on this. 
And all night long, that song, The Heat Is On, just kept playing with this rhythmic feeling. And I woke up to it going, oh, yeah, it's on, baby. It's (laughs) on. Like, this is so happening. And all of the shows that I've talked about Project X, all the shows where I've expressed my desires for my new career and what I wanted to feel like. And through some of it, it was a little bit of efforting. Through some of it, it was me saying, this is what I really want, you know, but I'm not there anymore. It's like, it's so real to me. The efforting has subsided. It's gone because I've talked about it. I've focused on it. It's grown. It's expanded. And baby, it's on. Mm-hmm. Well, Louise and, and I first. Time, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, I was going to say this time, I'm not going to tell you the date. But I have a date for when my new career is full-time. Okay. I have a date, and I will tell you when it happens, and I'll say, yes, I made the date. Because you know one of my things in the past was, every time I set an arbitrary date, it never really comes to pass Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel very real and doesn't feel pertinent. Well, you know what? I changed that. As of last night, because of the power partner I have with me and Rhonda, because we now call it a power partnership. Mm. Um, I just went, you know what? I'm tired of having that mamby-pamby <laughs> kind of attitude when I decide I want something by a certain date. And bless her heart, she called me on the carpet on something that was so magnificent. Because I said, okay, so I already have a date. I even feel like my inner being gave me the t- I said, I'm really committed to it, sort of. <laughs> and I said, I hate saying that. Because I'm powerful in so many areas, but this one comes up like, uh, <laughs> he goes, so is it like that's your safety net? Mm. And I said, yeah. And I said, oh, my God, Rhonda, I've been keeping this safety net literally from keeping me from going forward. Because as long as I have a safety net, I, I don't have to change jobs. And so in a sense, I'm like, the heck with it. No more safety net. I'm doing it. Do or die. Here's the new date, and it's happening. And I just said, the race is on. And that's what perpetuated the the song from Beverly Hills Cop to be playing in my head. And I've been hearing it all day long today. And I'm like, you know, here's the biggest shift that I sense. It's not something, it's not like my new career is something that I aspire to or I hope for, or I'm deliberately creating. I feel like I am now embodying it. Like it is so done, kind of like, you know, how I talked about in, in the first chapter of our book, you know, about me buying my house. Right. I knew it was my house. I knew that was my house. And when I lost my job, yes. which was required in order to get a mortgage, Ugh. it was kind of like that didn't matter. No. Because this house is mine. I say this because I'm sitting right now in that house (laughs) that I wrote about in the story. The house was mine and it was like game on. Watch me get a new job. Watch it happen because it's going to happen. And that was the attitude that I had beginning in me last night. It's like something just rose up inside of me very powerfully, but it's not like it was all of a sudden thing. It's been all over these months. I mean, I've been working on Project X, I think, since January. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And it's been all of these months that have been building. And that's really what we're talking about is how law of attraction builds momentum and expands things. And it's not like, oh, I failed and missed my, what was it, April 1st deadline. Oh, I failed and missed the uh, June 30th deadline because I've had other deadlines. It's like, who cares? They got me to where I am now. Good point. And with each what felt like failure, it caused me to reach inside of me and go, what's next? What am I missing? And, you know, you may laugh at this because this was a big deal, but the show we had on Friday where you talked about how you manifested something like poof, mm. you had the thought and it happened. Rocked my world, Walt. I can tell because you keep bringing it up. Yeah. It rocked my world because I realized that's what I'd been missing in my life. I kept dragging old stuff into my now. And I just drew a line in the sand and I said, we're done with that. You know, and in a way it's like, I'm too smart for that. I know too much to be doing that crap. But, you know, I didn't know it until I knew it. So okie dokie. But <laughs> <laughs> the point is now when I want something, that's all I'm going to let myself think. It's It's got to be pure positive energy all the way, baby. Very good. Because that's how you manifest. We, re we read these three words in the book just the other day. When you do something with pure positive energy, it comes to you with clarity, power, and speed. Very and I nice. like those words. Yeah. Really, that really resonates to me. I like them. Actually, in the book, it said clarity, speed, and power. That's but right. It doesn't matter which direction or how it's said. It's all the same. Absolutely. Oh, you can mix so, them up. That's right. That's good. Yeah. There are a couple things so, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention in there. Um, first it. of all, I, I got to tell you something kind of funny because you, you were talking about the heat is on the song and how the song kept playing <laughs> in your head. That happens with Louise and I so often that we've gotten to the point now where we tell a little sarcastic, we joke, joke to each other, we say, oh, no, music's had no effect on our lives whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> And we say that about 25 times a week because every time it's like some new piece of music that's in our song, in our heads that we're playing over and over again. So I totally resonate with that one. Also, you were talking about uh, a little while back about how you're so sick of the gurus who keep selling people on making a lot of money, getting a lot of money using the law of attraction. And it tied in perfectly with what Cindy Chavez and I have been talking about because like you and I have been going through uh, the law of attraction, the basics of the teachings of Abraham by Jerry Nestor Hicks with Cindy, we're going through money in the law of attraction. And the really interesting thing about that book is that even though it's about money in the law of attraction, I think there are five parts to the book and maybe six parts. And do you know, there's only one part that's actually about money. Yeah. <laughs> there's the rest of it is about well-being and health and, and all these other yeah. things. In fact, it spends more time on well-being than it does on money, which is really interesting. And what, is that, and what does that tell us? It tells us that well-being is that's the more important thing. That's what we really need to focus on. And by the way, you keep getting to the point where that's in a good shape, the money shows up. Hooray! Because, <laughs> and honestly, for me, well-being and abundance are synonymous. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, really that's are. how it worked for me, because I remember when I said it last night, abundance is the law of the land. I thought, oh, wait a minute. A phrase I have said oftentimes is well-being is the law of the land. Hmm. But last night I said it differently, and there was just a new slight emphasis on it. But mm -hmm. to me, well-being and, and abundance, they're to, they, they go together. 
Well, it makes sense to me because for me, abundance is a lot more than wealth. Abundance is Absolutely. lots of lots of X, whatever X is. So mm -hmm. if you have lots of happiness, you have an abundance of happiness. If you have great health, you have an abundance of health. If you've got lots of good friends, you have an abundance of relationships. Abundance shows up everywhere. It's just a question exactly. of what are we looking for? Are we looking for it everywhere? And personally, I, and so I'm always I, doing that. Yeah, when I say abundance is the law of the land, that covers everything. It does, really, yeah. And so it's like, okay, money got covered within that, but I just want to stop focusing on the lack of money because the truth is the lack of money is a lie. There is no lack in our universe. Abundance is all there is in our universe, and if we focus on it, that's what we get more of. And I totally and buy. Time, I, I totally buy the idea of of the abundance of good feeling being the main thing. That abundance and good feeling are really the same thing, because absolutely. to me, that's the thing to get. That's the one thing I want more than anything else. And it's the one area where I probably still need the most practice in terms of not focusing on the lack. Because, I mean, part of it is that when we do a podcast, we have to kind of discuss the contrast in order to make sense of what, of what it is that we're talking about. If all we did was just put out platitudes, well, we wouldn't have a show very long. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. <laughs> so you and I would be bored. <laughs> we'd be bored stiff. We would be. It's just, it's true. So, you know, you, you have to talk about contrast to a, to a certain extent. But I was just noticing it. When, who was I talking with? I can't remember if it was you or Joel or Cindy. Somebody I was talking with in the last couple of days here on the podcast, I was talking about how um, I was noticing on Facebook. Facebook is, is a great place to, to see what goes on from a societal viewpoint. In other words, what happens to large numbers of people. Um, and I'm, I was specifically referencing, I think I was talking with Joel about it. I was specifically referencing what you and I did the show on a couple of days ago about the Thai boys who got uh, rescued from the cave. And you'll remember I, I posted on Facebook uh, a link to the article that I found first when it was announced all the boys had been safely rescued and the coach was safely out too and everybody was out mm -hmm. safely. It was a wonderful victory. And I posted on, on Facebook in the Law of Attraction Changed My Life group, which is the one that I spend the most time in. And mm -hmm. it got, I think it got about 29, 30 people who liked it. I got five or six comments and that was really great. But I couldn't help noticing that most of the time, most of the stuff that gets published in there is, oh, I need some positive vibes sent my way. Um, I'm, I'm having a bad day. My boyfriend just broke up with me. Um, all these terrible things are happening. And then they get reams of comments and they get reams of likes and so forth. And I'm saying, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? We just had the best event of the year so far in the news occur. We posted about it to celebrate it in this group and it got 29 likes, but somebody, a, a, you know, a bunch of people come through and they post about how they're having a rotten day. It'll get a hundred likes and 2,500 comments. <laughs> what does that say about our and, society? And, but now let me ask this question. This has been here ever since they started post or having the, the like button available. Right. If somebody has had some really rough day, why do you like that? Exactly. That's what I want to know. <laughs> And I mean, I've kind of gotten with the program that it really kind of means like I support you, yeah. I'm with you. But it's like, no, like means yes, smile, I'm happy, thumbs up. So like somebody posted that, you know, their father had passed away. I mean, the father was old, but he had passed away. And I looked and there were like 259 likes. Yeah. I'm like, that is bizarre. What are we turning things into? Mm. It's 
it's easier to hit a button that's with a like thumbs up button than it is to type a few words like, hey, I'm with you. I'm supporting you. I'm praying for you. I care about you. I'm sorry for your loss. You well, know? well, just to take All it one well step further, taking it one step further, here's a law of attraction thing for you. This is the law of attraction programmed, okay? Facebook, if you like something like that on Facebook, Facebook, by design, will send you more stuff like that. So you'll mm-hmm. if, if, if you like somebody who's saying, oh, I just had this terrible loss, you'll get 10 more posts about people who had terrible loss. <laughs> I mean, so how law of attraction is that? <laughs> Well, what you're really saying is like the Facebook, um, the people behind Facebook who are programming it are law of attraction experts. In a sense, they are. Yeah, they figured out how to turn the law of attraction into computer programming. They're like tuned in, turned on, tapped They in, are. You know, to, to, to the law of attraction. So anyway, I look That's at that whole a- picture. I look at that whole thing that we just described there, and I say to myself, wow, I mean... Uh, there paints for me exactly why it is I want to focus more on positives. It also paints to me what my what what the warning sign is because look at all that I I, I focused my attention on I'm all this you know people who are liking stuff that's not happy and people ignoring the big news and so forth. Whoa, wait a minute! I'm falling into the trap that I'm describing everybody else falling into. <laughs> I got to reverse <laughs> that. So, so for me, focusing on. Stuff that makes you feel good. Focusing on the feel-good abundance thing, that's huge. That's huge. That's like, that's nirvana as far as I'm concerned. If I can, no, let me change that. When I get to that point doing it as consistently as I want to do it, I'm going to be in total heaven because, wow, I did it. I managed to change my focus so much that I don't even see that other stuff anymore. That, to me, is victory. Wow. Yeah. Abundance is the law of the land. Hmm. Well-being is our birthright. How about that? Yeah. Well-being is our birthright. Boy. We we came knowing that abundance was the law of the land. And we came knowing that well-being was our birthright. We came knowing that we were worthy. We came here knowing that we were loved and that we are love. We came with so many things that once, you know, after a while... We forgot them, or we stopped paying attention to them, or we stopped focusing on them. But you know what? Here's the idea. This just flowed through to me. Even if you've forgotten who you really are, every now and then something occurs, and you may not know what happened, but there's a resonance that causes you to, like, cry Hmm. or get teary-eyed or well up. And you go, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's because you're resonating with truth. Yeah. Because you remember in that moment who you really are, which is magnificent. That's a very good point. Deserving. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. And as usual, I mean, now, you, meant, you, you mentioned, well, it'll be interesting to see what Abraham is says, saying in the next part of the book. As usual, they're touching on pretty much the same ballpark that we're, do- we're talking about right now. So, I mean, why don't we go to the dialogue? Uh, you, you want to do Abraham right. while I do Jerry? My bookmarker just fell out. Oh, well then. Oh, there uh, it is. There uh, it is. Oh, you got it? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you do Jerry, okay. and I'll do Abraham. So this subtopic is, isn't there some goal to be achieved? And Jerry asks, Abraham, to me, segment intending appears to be the ideal vehicle for an instant practical application and realization 
of the law of attraction, the science of deliberate creation, and the art of allowing. In other words, by immediately coupling our now conscious awareness of these laws, which your teachings have clarified for us, with this segment-intending process, we can, re we can each immediately discover for ourselves how our thoughts can affect our manifestations. I have been equating segment intending with the equivalent of intending a series of small goals or intentions of which we can almost instantly and consciously experience their manifestations. This brings to me this brings me to my next question. Is there not a basic overall goal or intention for us to complete in this physical life? And Abraham says there is. And just as segment intending is the intent that is closest to this moment in which you are now living, your intent as you emerged into physical expression is on the other end of that, so to speak. In other words, here you are now intending what you most want from this moment, yet this moment is being affected by thoughts you have had about this moment even before your birth into your physical body. As you emerged into this physical body, from that inner, broader perspective, you did have intentions, indeed, but your intentions from this physical conscious perspective are dominant now. You are not a puppet acting out that which has been intended before. You have choice in every moment to decide what, it, what is most appropriate from your ever-evolving perspective, for you have grown beyond that which you are that which you were as you emerged into this body, for this life has already added onto that perspective. Very interesting and, and novel way to present the idea, there's really only now. There's that only now. It, it, it really, it, it, what you came into the world as, the kind of person you were, was, was a different person. You've grown beyond that person. You've become more than that person. So to those who want to know what's my purpose in life, well, it's not what your purpose was when you came here. <laughs> it has evolved. It's ever-changing. It's yeah. ever-changing. It's ever-evolving. It it's funny. After one of the shows, you were talking about the word evolution mm. has a lot of zing for you. Yeah. And I was saying expansion has a lot of zing for me. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of saying they're really the same thing. Right. And so what I, what we're reading here is Abraham saying, you know, we came into the physical being with intention but we've expanded we've evolved we've mm. grown beyond because yeah. we've had life experience that has changed who we are we're never static we're never stuck we're always changing all we are is changing and so i love that you brought up the uh the idea you know about because people ask all the time well what's my purpose what's my purpose well, you know what? Our purpose is always changing. But I know that from a societal perspective, and even how I've used the phrase, oftentimes we think about a purpose as something static. You know, like a vision statement or a mission statement. Right. It's a static thing. It's a static concept or idea or an intention. But the truth is it's ever-changing. And why can't we have one purpose uh, <laughs> during a each segment of our life. <laughs> so like as we're children, we maybe have one purpose. As we get into like adolescence, we may have another purpose. Early adulthood could have another purpose. We could have a whole bunch of purposes. 
If you have you all know, those, when I was, if you have all those purposes, a few things are happening. One thing that happens is that you are getting the opportunity. We are getting the opportunity over and over again to practice a new kind of segment. Every segment is a new and different one, which is true. I mean, the segments yeah. I deal with now are completely different from the ones I dealt with 10 years ago, which themselves are completely different from the ones I dealt with 30 years ago and so on and so forth. I mean, that's just the nature of what happens in life. Life shifts, life changes, and our experience of yeah. it changes as well. So the segments are going to change. And what's more, that I think this is probably why, when I was talking earlier, how I, this is why I, I handle it differently every time I want to get myself into alignment to do a segment. Because every segment feels different. Mm. It, it, every segment is unlike any other segment I had in the past. And I try to draw parallels. I, oh, we all do that, right? You know, well, this is kind of like when I had that job before. We talk about parallels here on the show. We, you know, we draw parallels and to make points and in, in order to make points about, you know, whatever aspect of this whole topic we're talking about. But the simple fact is they're all different. There's no, there, there are some similarities, but, but there are more differences than there are similarities. You know, the number of mm -hmm. factors that are different, if you were able to actually sit down and count them all, would blow your mind. You know, while you were talking, the word morph. Morph. Yeah, good, good word. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it takes the concept of evolving and for me puts it almost more concrete because when I know something has morphed into something new, I know that I can't go back into what it used to be. Mm. Because when I think of the word morphing or, or something has morphed into something else, it's like it's now this new state of being. Whatever it is in the now is what it is now. It's not what it was before. It has so changed, so radically changed that you can't undo what you've done. Exactly I mean, that's true. the nature of life. That's the nature of our planet. It's the nature of, you know, all, all, all living things. Everything is growing and maturing and evolving and expanding and morphing. We're all morphing. So now let's go back and to one of the earliest questions we asked in the show, which is, when you're doing segment intending, what do you focus on in order to get yourself into alignment? And now that we've had this whole discussion, I'll bet you each of our listeners would come up with completely different ideas about how they'd align themselves. Because now we're all much more aware of it's about what the current segment is all about. And every segment's different. So we have to take the time to know what's different about this segment. What's new about it? What's exciting about it? Because that's where the clues are about where to find the alignment. Wow. And right now, in this moment, I'm thinking about this, the comment I made about how back in January, when I started setting my deliberate intention for a new career, who I was then is so different from who I am today. <laughs> I mean, who I am now has morphed over time with each focused thought, with each new piece of guidance I've received from my inner being from each new action that I have felt the impulse to take, each thing has taken me in a new expansive direction to allow me to become who I am today, which is right on the cusp. I mean, I am so on the cusp of full manifestation. It blows my mind. It's so real <laughs> because it's a done day deal because I have a date and I am going to keep that date. And let me tell you, I started, I was even negotiating with myself last night, like, well, but what if, and maybe, you know, I could extend it by two weeks because that would still have a net. I'm like, heck no. I've set the date. It's in stone for me. 
I've chiseled it in stone. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Period. End of report. That I'm I'm so on the cusp, and I'm not saying that because I'm in wishful thinking anymore. Because throughout this whole experience since January, this is to me is so uh, kind of ironic. I've been using the phrase wishful thinking for most of my life, and some people have never heard of it and don't even know what it means. Um, for me, it was always a feeling. I knew what wishful thinking was, but I've now been able to define it. And wishful thinking is desiring something but not being lined up with it energetically and almost lying to yourself that you are aligned. Hmm. That's interesting. That's what wishful thinking is. Yeah. And I did, I did have some wishful thinking within my process, and it's okay because I, I've moved through it. But when I was saying, oh, I can feel like I feel it, well, I did. And it was really exciting, but there was a really small part in me that had a little bit of doubt where the resistance lived, but the excitement was so big, it overshadowed mm -hmm. the doubt so that I didn't look at it. And that was the one piece that was not yet aligned. And wherever there's not alignment for me, and this is just a bold thing, I'm going to say for me, I'm living in a little bit of illusionary wishful thinking. Yeah. You know, it's like I really want it bad, but I didn't do the work to totally, totally line up with it. And, you know, if if I'm not perfectly aligned today, that's okay. But I'm I am so I'm I'm more aligned than I have ever been, and it feels more real than it ever has. And I feel like I can hold my feet to the fire with my new date. Just like I knew I was getting this house and I knew when the closing date was, and that meant I had to have a job before we closed or the mortgage people wouldn't give us any money to buy the house. Mm. Well, what you're bringing up so, here actually makes it, it, it rings a bell with me and it raises a question because you, you mentioned how uh, the conversation we had last Friday where I talked about uh, waking up and basically without any kind of resistance at all, without any forethought, just kind of blurted out in my mind that I wanted this person who had this, uh, this task to do, who'd been putting off the task to get it done as you know as soon as possible. I didn't really really think about it. I didn't give myself any chance to think about any reason to resist it. Just I figured it's morning. I feel good. Let's do it. And within seconds, well, it was about a minute. He called me and said it's done. And and that was a phenomenal uh, experience. But the cool part and also the mysterious part is how did I manage to stay in that pure place? You just described how that's what you're you you've gotten yourself into. That you don't have that doubt. You're not in that wishful thinking mode. The question becomes, how do we get there consistently? And so I'm, I'm thinking, well, you've defined it so well. Maybe you have a clear idea. How do we get there consistently? How do we make sure that we don't trip ourselves up with all the, oh, geez, maybe, I don't know, oof, that kind of stuff? I will say that I have reconnected with some really powerful thoughts that are now much closer uh, to me. In other words, I, I'm not forgetting them anymore. Um, I'm not having to like go through an old journal to see if I wrote it down. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <laughs> yeah. But it's like now, um, like, like last night I started negotiating like, well, but maybe. And I said, Wendy, it doesn't even feel good when you think that way. And if you're feeling, if you're thinking in a way that doesn't feel good, it means that's not an aligned thought. And it's like, I'm only going for aligned thoughts these days. 
And it's like, after all of these years of learning how to recognize my feelings, there still had been so many times I just let myself feel not good without addressing it, without questioning it, without challenging it, without saying hell no to it. And I'm starting to say hell no. Like the moment I get the awareness that I'm not feeling great, boom, that tells me I'm not in an aligned moment. And I want to be in alignment. Because do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was asking the question, how do you really know when you're aligned? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was saying, well, you definitely know when you get a result. If it's what you like, then you were aligned. If it's what you don't like, then you weren't aligned. That's a clear one, yep. And I said, there's got to be a way of knowing in advance. And I said, I'm going to figure it out. So now I'm saying, Walt, I figured it out. Hooray. Because if I'm not feeling good, I'm not aligned. And if I'm feeling good, I am. Now, the little caveat was many months ago when I was feeling really good and I was sounding really great. Maybe nobody else could tell that there was a little teeny sliver of not feeling good in there. And I could tell I just wasn't paying attention to it because I didn't want to. Because I wanted my new career sooner rather than later. And I kind of wasn't willing to really pay attention to everything I was feeling. Because I did have a mixture of feeling. I mostly was feeling good and had a little bit of feeling doubt. And now I am willing to look at that. And if there's a little bit of doubt, I'm not afraid of it. I don't know why I was afraid of it before. It, I, I, oh, I know, because I was in wishful thinking that I wanted what I wanted so bad that I just wanted to believe that I was in alignment. And if I had tapped into my own energy, I would have gone, that doesn't feel like total pure positive energy. That feels like a little bit of efforting. Mm. But this pure positive energy thing, which is what I got from my interviewing you on Friday, (laughs) (laughs) is what really turned the tide for me. Because I know what pure positive energy feels like. It's light. It's buoyant. It's easy. It's comfortable. It feels good. Oh, and it's uh, replenishing from the energy source. It gives back more energy. It doesn't drain my energy. So I guess the answer to the question that I raised, how do you how do you deal with it? How do you get to that, that pure positive place is absurdly simple. You just focus on getting to the pure positive place. You don't focus on anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've been I've been literally focusing on the phrase pure positive energy. I want to continually focus on any everything and anything I want with pure positive energy. Very good. And it really it really is all a matter of focus, but you know, it took me a while to get there and hopefully I'm creating a shortcut for everybody who's listening. Sounds good. Well, that gives people one more reason to tune in with the next episode and we'll have to leave it there because we're out of time, but Cindy, it's been great and I look forward to doing it again with you tomorrow. You got it. I'll be here. And we ask you to join us next time for all of our episodes actually here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.